The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. Do me a favor, if you would, guys, grab your Bible and turn to the book of Proverbs. If you don't have a Bible, you can stick a hand up nice and high. We will make sure that one gets to you. Though I will warn you in advance, this is a little bit of a different kind of week. Um, this, isn't, this is more of a family meeting than it is a Bible study. So it's outside the norm for sure. Um, but uh, still always good to have a Bible. So we'll be in Proverbs to start. Um, hey, a couple of announcements. New women's Bible study starting this Thursday, January 14th at the Hub. You can sign up at the desk today. Also, uh, women, there's a gathering on Friday the 15th at 7 p.m. Uh, Lisa Herman's going to be talking about her experiences and thoughts and what the Lord's shown her in marriage. And uh, Financial Peace University, uh, Space is Limited, that's kicking off here pretty soon, like two weeks, 119. Really good program, the Dave Ramsey uh, program. So uh, uh, make sure you get signed up for that as well. And I don't think I have anything else, so yeah. So turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6, and let's open in prayer. Lord, we need your grace. We need your grace to save us, Lord. For, Lord, we are so far from your glory. Lord, we are so far away from the holiness that you deserve and require. We're broken and lost. Lord, we need your grace to save us because, Lord, we could never do that on our own. And so we're so thankful for your gospel that you sent your son on our behalf that you have poured your grace out on those who would believe in his name, and that you have by grace, not effort, by grace you have just saved us. Thank you, God. And Lord, we also need your grace to sustain us. For Lord, life on our own, life on our own efforts is futile, it's hard, it's difficult, and it's not as you intended. And so Lord, we beg your grace on our church and on us as individuals here. And Lord, this morning I ask for your grace specifically, Lord, as we open your word, as we talk about things of the church. Lord, our desire is that you would be the pastor of your church, that you are the chief shepherd, that you would guide and direct as you have so faithfully for so long. And Lord, may we just be in tune with you. May we celebrate, Lord, the, the great examples of your grace in our life, and may we strive towards more of them, Father. Lord, even in this time, I pray, God, you would eliminate distractions. I pray you'd give us the ability to, to look upon you, to look upon your work, to, to come together, Lord, as the community of this local church. And I pray you'd just give us the ability to see you, to hear from you, and to celebrate you, and to move forward from this place proclaiming you. And so, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh, my King, my Rock, and my Redeemer. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. 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 Heritage family, heritage family, give me an amen. amen. We are here for you today. If you're a guest here visiting us, if this is your first time or so, or someone brought you or, or, or something, um, you might feel like you picked a bad week to come. Um, some of what we're going to be talking about today might come off really boring. Heritage family, some of what we're going to talk about today might come off really boring. 
but I believe it's really important. We're going to be spending the next three weeks looking at a couple of things before we jump back into the book of Ephesians. It's not really a sidetrack from Ephesians. Really, it's the outworking of the book of Ephesians in our church organizationally, if you will, in our church body collectively. The things that we're going to be looking at just for the next four weeks are kind of how we take these principles in Ephesians, our identity and our calling, and how we work these things out practically as a church. And some of these are things we've been working on for a really long time. People on this staff and the leadership have put an immense amount of effort into what we're going to be talking about for the next week. So Heritage Family, I'm imploring you. I don't always do this, and it really that's probably a failure in leadership, frankly, because I should. But, but I'm urging you, don't miss a week in January. Don't miss a Sunday in January. I'm begging you, be here for all of these. They're really important. Amen? So today we're going to start in the book of Proverbs. And we're going to bounce really, this, this is a great kind of launch because we're just coming off of our Advent series. I don't know about you, I hope you enjoyed spending that time in December as we did, kind of, kind of getting off of what we had been doing in Ephesians and just taking time to set aside to do what's referred to as an Advent series. Advent meaning the arrival, the visit. And the idea was that we took four weeks to consider the fact that Christ had come but then to move forward and look to the fact that Christ is coming, amen? And he's coming, right? He is coming again. We're one day closer today than we were yesterday, and soon he's coming, amen? And so here's the thing about an Advent series. The, the purpose of an Advent series is for you to reach back to these experiences of grace that God has poured out in our lives already. The fact that Christ came, the fact that Christ died, the things that Christ has done for us in the past is to look back and remember what he's done, but then it also sets sort of a marker for us to strive towards because he's coming again. The kingdom's on the way. And so it's a reminder like, this is what's important in life. These are the things that we need to strive for. This is what we are to be about overall. That's the purpose of Advent. Considering and remembering what's behind and allowing that to guide us and give us a trajectory moving forward. And so that's what we're going to actually talk about today. I mean, you'd be surprised, actually. Sometimes it can come off a little too practical, but the Bible puts a great deal of emphasis on the reality that we as believers, followers of Jesus Christ, are supposed to take time to stop, to take stock of what's happened in the past, and to actually plan and look forward. That's a surprise to some people. Because some people, especially if you came from any sort of charismatic background or, or whatnot, sometimes you can hear things like, no, we just need to be spirit-led. We just need to go for it. Well, that's not really what the scriptures say a lot. For example, in your Bibles, Proverbs 6.6 6 says this. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. The Bible implores us. As followers of Jesus and those who want to live a life of wisdom. It's the purpose of the book of Proverbs. How to live a life of wisdom. He says, okay, go to the ant. This little bitty nothing of an animal. Brain the size of a grain of sand. Like go to this thing and and consider it for a second. The ant understands. Weather changes are coming. Needs are coming. Whether it be food or housing or whatever it is. And even something as small as this ant takes the time to go, we we need to take advantage of the season that we're in now and plan ahead so that we are ready for what's to come. And so what does the ant do? Well, the Bible goes on to talk about how it works 
while it's got opportunity in the day there. It, it builds, it constructs, it stores, it gets into Jeff's pantry, eats taro and dies, but then others come. We've had that problem lately, anyone else? Don't ever leave the syrup cap off in that case, trust me. It'll make your pancakes a little crunchy. Anyway, um, but the ant, even something as simple as the ant, is applauded by the scriptures for the fact that it thinks ahead, that it plans, that it's not just like, well, we'll figure it out as we go, which is totally me. Amen, Bronwyn? That's me. Ah, we'll get there. Let's just figure it out. Ah, tomorrow, we'll figure it out tomorrow. No, but the Bible actually says, hey, a wise man actually stops once in a while, thinks about where he is, thinks about where he's been, thinks about where he's going, and makes a plan. There's other passages as well. Proverbs 14, take a look at this one. The simple, Proverbs 14, verse 15, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. The simple believes everything. So you might say, Jeff, the simple believes everything's gonna work out. We'll get where we need to be. We don't need to worry about it. Just, we'll just go. But the Bible says that the prudent person Someone who, who desires to walk out 2016 in wisdom, they actually stop and they give thought to their steps. Like, wh- where are we trying to go? What is it we're trying to do? What do we want to accomplish? What's the direction we want to head? Where have we been? What have we learned? How should that affect the way that we're going? And you actually consider the steps. There's more. Proverbs 24, 27. You guys are like flipping to him. I love that sound. Amen, that's a good sound. Proverbs 24, 27 says this. Prepare your work outside. Get ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. Hey, there's steps here. Hey, there's work to be done outside. Take care of these other things when the time comes. But right now there's a pressing need out here in the field. And if you don't get that taken care of, you're not gonna have harvest later. You need to plan. You need to get this stuff down. Worry about the other stuff later. But first things first, there's principles of planning and having a strategy and actually working and moving forward towards something that are at play. They, they play out in all sorts of areas in our life. They play out in our marriages. Like no one has a plan on the day that they get married to fail. But not a lot of people have a plan to succeed. A lot of people in their marriages, they, they plan for that first day, but very few people actually go into their marriage thinking about that last day. Where do I want to be on that last day? What do I want that last day to look like? Do I want to be sitting on a front porch with a glass of iced tea with my wife, watching the great grandkids bounce around in the yard and worshiping Jesus and being able to look back and reflect? Okay, if that's what I want, then how am I going to get there? But, but a lot of people don't have that co- sort of goal. They don't have that sort of preparation. They, they have no plan for getting where they're going to go. And they just, we'll just figure it out as we go. And how many people have ended up in places on that last day of their marriage that they never thought they'd be? Filing papers, things like that. It happens. Look, e- even practically, the best garden in the world, no matter how great it is when it starts, if you leave it alone, weeds come. So there's plan, there's work, there's methods, there's directions that you go with this. Finally, Proverbs 15, 22, one last one, it says this, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail. So in, in this one, 
Solomon's already going, by this point, he's just assuming that we're on board with making plans. We're on board with having a strategy. He's saying, so when you make your plans, here's what you want to do. Get some counsel. Talk to some people. Talk to a lot of people. Talk to people that have been there before you. Talk to smart people. Talk to people with wisdom. Get their input on your plans. Talk to them. Say, this is what I want to be in life. This is where I'd like to go in life. This is what, what I'm thinking about in my life. And then actually going to some people and getting some wisdom and saying, what do you think? Is this a good plan? Is, is the steps on my plan going to get me where it is that I want to go? Um, is this wise? Or maybe even just being humble enough to go, hey, I, I kind of know what I want, but I'm not gifted in this area, and, and I want to I make sure I do well, and, and I know you're good at this. So it could be an area like finances or counsel or parenting, whatever the case may be, but going to someone who you know you're weak in this area and they're strong and saying, hey, could, could you just come alongside me for a little while and just kind of help me out here? Because I, this is a big deal. The Bible assumes that we have a plan. The Bible assumes that we're going somewhere. Now think about this for just a second. Have you ever thought about how practical that is? I mean, just common sense, practical, sit down with a pencil and make a plan that's biblical? So we, we have these, there's, there's a lot of false dichotomies that sometimes we create in the church, especially in our current culture, a lot of them. One, one of them is this idea of the dichotomy between spiritual and secular. We'll say certain things are spiritual and certain things are secular. And what we mean by that is there's church stuff that de- deals directly with God that's spiritual stuff. So Sunday morning, tithing, Chris Tomlin, etc. All right? Then there's things over here. These are, these are secular things. They're not so spiritual. It's not really a church thing. It's, it's well, a college, or it's the work that I do, or it's the guy I want to vote for, or whatever the case. But those are secular things over here. It's Dave Matthews' band. It's this kind of stuff over here. Doesn't really have anything to do with the church. I'm too old to say Dave Matthews' band's probably dead by now for all I know, but <clears throat> they're separated, right? But here's the reality of it. Did you, did you know that's a false dichotomy? Where can you go in life that you can get away from the Lord, the Psalms talk about? You think God has that same delineation? Like, Jeff, I'm so interested in your life right now, man. You're at church and you're preaching and you're working on your sermon and all that. And then around 12.30, 12.45, the football game comes on and he's like, all right, I'm going to move on to the next guy. Good luck, Jeff. I'll see you on Wednesday. I don't think the Lord looks at anything like that. I mean, the scriptures talk about whatever you do, do for the glory of God. So, so in reality, when we separate spiritual and secular, we're actually addressing our own comforts or buying into separation issues that the world around us loves to promote. But in reality, there's no such thing. And there's another one too. It's kind of along the same lines. The idea of practical versus spiritual. There's this belief among a lot of people that there are the practical things that we have to do or maybe pragmatic things that we have to do, but the spiritual things over here are much more important. And we can look at that on a lot of levels. You can look at that in terms of a person and their giftings. So you can go, oh, Pastor Jeff, man, he teaches the Bible and he's up there speaking the word and preaching and he's counseling with people. Look how spiritual he is. And then you can turn around and look at someone else who's maybe an accountant or, or maybe someone who's running a business or something like that. And they go, well, that's not really a spiritual job. They're dealing with numbers. They're dealing with people and personnel, And they're selling stuff at Harry and David. And they're, whatever, that's not really a spiritual thing. And that's not true. The Lord gives all of us different giftings. And whatever gift he gives you, that's the gift he gave you to steward and to use for his glory. 
So whether he gave you a gift of teaching the Bible and standing in front of hundreds of people and preaching the gospel, or whether he gave you the gift of going out on the street corners and preaching the gospel to people there, or whether he gave you the gift of going to Harry and David or going to a a Nissan dealership to work on cars or whatever the case might be, whatever God gave you, he desires that that would be a spiritual thing for you. That you would use that part of your life in order to work for the glory of God. I mean, think about it for just a second. I'm going to read something to you guys. Don't turn there because you're going to flip tons and tons of pages. And when you get there and you see what I read, you're going to be seriously disappointed in me. Because this is one of those parts that we never read. When we're in our devotions and we get to these parts, we go, ugh. So think about it for just a minute. In 1 Kings, Solomon building the temple. It's time to build the temple. And preparations are being made. And listen to what it says. Verse 13, King Solomon drafted forced labor out of all Israel. The draft numbered 30,000 men. He sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month. They went in shifts. They would be a month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adonim was in charge of the draft. Solomon had 70,000 burden bearers, 80,000 stone cutters in the hill country, actually, besides Solomon's 3,000 chief officers, 3,300 to be exact, who were over at work. You go on into chapter 6. In the 480th year after the people of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, you with me? He began to build the house of the Lord. The house that King Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. The vestibule in front of the nave of the house was 20 cubits long, equal to the width of the house, and 10 cubits deep in the front of the house. And he made for the house windows and recessed frames. And at this point, we're going, I did not pour enough coffee for my morning devotions. Right? Be honest, church people. Now, when you read that, be honest for just a second with yourself. Do you feel spiritual? If you do, it's only because you're going, I'm reading this and no one else would. That's it, right? You don't read that and just go, oh, you just don't. It's intensely practical. There's passages like that throughout the scriptures. There's genealogies. There's maps. There's things about populations. There's things about nations. There's stuff like this everywhere. The materials that went into the temple, the materials that went into the tabernacle, where the materials came from, how they got the materials there. When you read that, it, does not, it reads like architectural digest. It does not read like the Bible. It doesn't seem spiritual. If we want spiritual, man, we hit the Psalms. And we, and we read David pouring his heart out to the Lord and all these things. And we, and we have this feeling or dichotomy amongst us oftentimes that the practical things are the practical things. The spiritual things are over here. But here's what I got news for you on. You everybody listening? God is in all of it. He's in all of it. He, he cares. He doesn't just care about the theoretical. He doesn't just care about the emotional. He cares about the detail. He cares about the order. He cares about the plan. He cares about every step of the way. When you realize that the scriptures were breathed by God, that the Holy Spirit moved among men for these words to be written, and that God specifically took the time to write some of the kinds of details that are in here, he cares. And what what we try to do is we'll read that and we'll go, well, there must be something spiritual about that. So what does that number mean? This number means this, and it connects to that. And we, and we will even try to sometimes extract some sort of supernatural 
moment out of there. But sometimes God's just saying, I'm a God of order. I knew what I was doing. And here's what I called Solomon to do. Well, church, God is a God of order. He knows what he's doing. And he's calling this church to do things. He's calling us as individuals to do things. And he's calling us as a corporate church to do things. God cares about how we spend our time. God cares about how we use our talents. God cares about what we do with our money. These are things that we as believers one day will stand before God and give an actual account of. And so we're coming out of 2015. We're coming into 2016. There's another year ahead, another year gone. And for many of us, and it seems like the older you get, the faster it goes. But for many of us, one more year is poof, gone. What's your plan for this year? What are you going to do moving forward? How do you know? What are you doing to prepare yourself so that when we're at this day next year, you're not looking back and going, I just wasted that year. I don't feel like I got any closer to what I was trying to get to. I don't feel like I got closer to God. I don't feel like my marriage is better. I don't feel like my household is better. I don't feel, I, I, don't feel like I really accomplished a whole lot. I just sort of days melted into days, melted into days, and now it's January 2017. Well, I'm gonna give you a couple of really practical, intensely practical things, and I want you to write these down. This would be a really good exercise for you to take some time in your devotional life because it's spiritual to have a plan. It's spiritual to think about these things and these are forms of worship that I think you're gonna see. And then I wanna talk about why this applies to us as a church, okay? So just eight simple questions, be fast, ready? Number one, questions to consider looking ahead as you move into this year. Number one, ask yourself this, what happened in 2015? What happened in 2015? I mean, like I said, if we're not careful, days melt into days and we can forget what's in the past. We can forget what was behind us. But what happened? What did you do? Where did you go? Did you travel? Did you stay home? Did you get married? Did someone pass away? Was someone born? What are the actual things that happened? Because the reality is this, is that, that those who don't take the time to recognize and understand God's grace in their life, they're, they're destined to miss it in the future as well. And if we don't take time to actually stop and smell the roses, uh, sorry, I just drifted into a Gaither song. But um, if we don't take the time to just stop literally and reflect on what God has done in our past before we start moving forward, we make, well, you've heard the story before too, right? Those who don't learn from history are what? condemned to repeat it. But, but I would say even further, those who don't recognize the grace of God in their lives in the past are very likely to miss out on the graces of God in their future. So what has happened? And then to be more specific, question two, how was God kind to me in 2015? How was God good to me in 2015? And I guarantee you, if you sit down with a pencil and write it out, no matter how gnarly your year was last year, you will find God has been infinitely more gracious and good to you than you are giving him credit for right now. Guarantee you. I mean, the very number of breaths that God graced you with in 2015 is a gift from God. The number of times that your heart kept beating is a gift from God. Trust me, there are people in hospitals and in funerals in, in the ground by now who didn't have some of those same graces to make it all the way to this particular point in life. How did he bless you financially? 
Did he provide for you food throughout the year? Did he provide for you cover throughout the year? How has God graced you? And leave nothing out. I encourage you, spend some time on that one. It is good for your soul to remember the graces of God in your life. We too easily just assume things and expect things. It's where entitlement comes from. So how has God been good to you in 2015? Number three, what have I learned in 2015? And when I look through the things that I've been through in the last year, what are the things I learned? Whether it be from mistakes or from successes, what are things I learned from last year that, man, I I don't want to go through that again, or I want to go through that again. And, And so what do I want to take with me and make sure that I'm not leaving that behind? What are the words of wisdom that the Lord has spoken into my life? And, and I don't want to let one of those words fall to the ground. What has God taught me in 2015? And then with those three questions in your back pocket, then you move on to this. And this is important when you're ready. What am I responsible for in 2016? What am I responsible for? This is a question of priorities. Like, who are you? And how do these things play out? So, so for me, for example, I'm a Christian. Then I'm a husband. Then I'm a father. Then I'm a pastor. And then I'm a world-class fly fisherman. <laughs> um, okay, maybe not world-class, but okay. But, but think about this for a second. Knowing, this is, this is Ephesians, right? Your identity determines what you do, amen? This is what we've been seeing. Okay, so who are you? And what are you responsible for? It is good for you to nail those things down. I'm this first, and then I'm this, and then I'm this, and then I'm this. And getting those things out of order can cause you to fail at all of them. It's important. It is so important. What have you learned What are you responsible for in 2016? And then with that in mind, looking at that list, this is who I am, this is what I'm responsible for. The next question, number five, so how am I doing? How am I doing? Honest assessment. This is one of those ones you might want to do alone. Or even better, it's one of those that you might want to seek out wisdom from someone else and say, how am I doing? Dad, how am I doing? Wife, how am I doing? Kids, how am I doing? Where am I in this? And then number six. For some of you, this would be the best question you could ask. You ready for this one? What do I need to stop doing in 2016? Knowing who I am, knowing what I'm called to do, knowing the priority and order in my life, are are there things I'm doing that they don't even fit into this order? They're not even part of what God's called me to do, and I'm spending immense amount of resources, time, energies on these things, when this is really not in line with what God has called me to do and what God has made me to be. What do you need to stop and just, by God's grace, let go of in 2016? Number seven, we're almost done. Are you bored yet? Number seven, What do I need to start doing? Again, here's who I am. This is my priorities. This is what God has called me to do. What do I need to begin doing? Where should my time be allocated? What should I be doing with my money and my resources and my job and all these kind of things? What do I need to start doing? And then the last one is is kind of a bonus question, okay? What regret am I totally unwilling to live with? So, so in other words, this regret, I'm totally unwilling to live with. So in other words, this, it is December 31st, 2016, 
What can you look to in your life and say, if that's the place I'm at, that is absolutely unacceptable. Letting down your family, letting down your kids, whatever the case may be, what regret would you look at in your life and say, no matter what happens this year, this would be unacceptable? Now you take those eight questions right there and you spend some time in prayer. You spend some time in Proverbs. You spend some time reading through some of these things. And I'm telling you right now, you will find that a wise man, a prudent man, plans his steps. He thinks about where he's going. One of the things we often do in premarital counseling is we'll tell young couples, hey, I want you to describe to me in writing, I want to see it next time we get together, what should the last day look like in your marriage? What do you want ultimately out of your marriage collectively? And then after that meeting, when they describe all that, I go, okay, now the next time we get together, I want to see your plan. With that being where you want to be, how are you going to get there? And if you've got people that are already there that you know in your life, go talk to them. How'd they get there? Find out. Receive God's grace. Because listen, without vision, the people perish. It is intensely spiritual. God desires that we would look towards a specific goal and work towards it. That's why he's always saying, hey, Christ is coming back. Christ is coming back. Be a good steward. Christ is coming back. Don't be found sleeping. Christ is coming back. Be saved. Knowing this is what's coming, it affects how we live today. So have a plan. Know where you're going. Be prudent. Now, these are things that we read in the passages. When we read these passages in Proverbs, for example, we tend to take them on a more personal level. We'll read these as something written to the individual. We'll say, hey, the individual should read Proverbs and study and see it, because it's written to an individual. Hey, young man, don't do this. Hey, young man, be wise, do this. But, but here's the reality of it. The, the scriptures are also written to, and actually more specifically, they're written to the church corporately. In fact, the New Testament in particular, nothing is written in the New Testament to an individual. It is all written to the church collectively. And so there, there is something that can be another sort of false dichotomy. Um, let me put it to you this way. Hey, church people, amen? There's like four. I've, I've already bored all of you. That's unbelievable. Or are you already on your phones watching the Seahawks game? Is that what you're doing? Um, so here, church people, amen? Okay, the church is not a building, it's what? It's the people in the building, right? The church is not an organization, it is what? It's the people, it's the collective people. And so, so we can, and that's, is that true? Amen, that's true. Amen, that's true. But can you go too far with that? Absolutely. You can go, well, so it's just the people and we don't need to give any consideration to what we do organizationally, corporately with the people. Or you can even make it individual. The stuff's about the individuals in the church. It's not about, I, I don't really care what's going on here. I just got my own faith and my own thing here when everything's actually written to the church corporately. So think about this. What should the church collectively, or, or maybe the leadership of the church, or the body with Christ as the head of the church, how, how should the church operate? Should the church operate any different than the scriptures would call the individual to actually operate? It has been an ongoing desire for a while now, and especially in 2015, amongst the leadership and staff here at Heritage Christian Fellowship, that we want to be healthy. We want to be healthy. Now, Heritage is healthy, okay? We are a healthy church. But the, the word healthy, has a, it's a broad definition, right? It's hard to pin down. I mean, healthy can mean we are disease-free, 
We're healthy. We're making it. We're existing. We're doing fine. There's nothing corrupt. There's nothing dark. There, we're, we're in good place. We're healthy. And that would be good. Amen? Hey, church, we're healthy. Amen? That's good, right? But there's another level of healthy, if you will. There's the healthy that's ready to go play football today, who's in the prime of his physical shape, who has been working and toiling and striving. There's the healthy that's ready to run a race. There's the healthy that Paul describes where he talks about even beating his body into submission that wants to run the race to win, that wants to finish strong. There's that kind of healthy. And I actually believe that no matter what church you are, no matter how long you've been around, no matter what you're accomplishing, if you get to a place where you're no longer looking for areas to keep striving to get healthier and healthier and healthier, then you are already dying. You have gotten, you're resting in your laurels. You're not looking ahead anymore to see what God is leading you to. You're just going, we got this figured out. And, and we at Heritage have really wanted to get better and better and better, healthier and healthier and healthier. So over the years, there's all sorts of things that we have done to kind of work towards that. None, not even close to the level of work and dedication, and I think results-wise, as what has happened over the year 2015. We have spent an immense amount of time investing, studying, training, organizing, writing, doing all sorts of things because we want to be a better, healthier church family. Do you want to be a healthier church family, Heritage? Oh, come on now. Do you, Seahawks just scored a touchdown. Do you want to be healthier church family? Yes, yes. So, so here's the deal. This morning in the little bit of time we have left, I'm going to bore you even more. You ready for this? Because here's the deal. Listen. What is a healthy family? What are some things, if you think through, what are, what are attributes of a healthy family? When you see a healthy family together and operating, you see them like, that's what I want my family to look at. What are some of the things that you look at? And I'll tell you one of them right here. And we're going to be spending the next four weeks looking at what some of these things are. Today, a healthy family communicates. A healthy family communicates with one another. They share information with one another. They invest in one another. They communicate with one another. They participate with one another. Next week, we're going to be talking about leadership. The third week, we're going to be talking about the members of the body. Paul says we are all members of one body. We're going to be talking about that. And then the fourth week, we're going to be talking about the heart. We're going to be spending four weeks looking at some of this stuff. And I'm telling you right now, I'm warning you in advance. This is why come every week. Every week, there is something that we have been working on for weeks that we're going to be introducing to the church that is going to completely change the trajectory for where Heritage Christian Fellowship is going. And it's going from just healthy, disease-free to we are ready to run this race to win. Amen? And I, I want to tell you right now, the, the board of directors and the staff have been working tirelessly on this stuff. I mean, into the hours last, late night hours last night, early morning this morning, still working through, wrestling through stuff, working hard. We have a great staff and great leadership here. So here's what I want to talk about today. Healthy family communicates. Today, I want to give you guys a, in, in, in honor of the Advent series, this idea of knowing what's behind, here's where we're going. I'm going to give you guys kind of an annual report where Heritage Christian Fellowship has been through 2015 and where we're going in 2016. It's a financial report. We're going to talk specifics on money on a level we have never done here at Heritage Christian Fellowship before. And the reason that we're doing this is because we believe strongly 
that one of the best things that we can do for our church moving forward is have complete transparency with our congregation, with the people, with the community around us, and that we want involvement from the body. And when the body doesn't know what's going on, then they don't know what's going on, amen? So you might get a little bored. This might not seem spiritual. You might have come here this morning going, man, I wanted to be moved. Can't you preach about marriage or any of these kind of things? I'm telling you right now, this kind of stuff still applies. It's intensely spiritual, all right? So you ready for this? Now, if you're visiting or if you've got like wounds in your past because you're like, oh no, Pastor Jeff's up there and he's gonna start talking about money. And, and you've got this kind of view because you've seen some of those charlatans from the past, some of those jokes that are on TV all the time. Why do the worst churches and pastors in the world end up being the ones that are always on TV, right? Have you ever noticed that? But if that's, what you're, if that's your experience and you're looking at this, then let me, let me encourage you right now and tell you, we totally agree with you and so does Jesus, okay? We totally agree with you. There is zero part of what I'm about to talk about that is asking for anything from you. We are glad you're here. If anything, look at this as an opportunity for us as a church to be transparent on a level you've never seen with some of those other churches before as you're visiting here. But we're, we're glad you're here. I'm sorry it's a little boring, but um, I don't know. Jonathan will buy you a cup of coffee on your way out. Maybe that'll help, okay? But, um, but this is what we're gonna talk about. The, the idea of what we are sharing here, what we're reporting about and what we're talking about moving forward is not about money grabbing. This is the report of a group of people who have been freed from the need to live enslaved to money and have instead freed their resources so that the kingdom of God might grow and advance. This is also a report about a church who has been trying to figure out all sorts of things as we go and getting better and better about being more accountable, better stewards, and now better communicators as well with the congregation so that God's kingdom may advance. Amen? So this is the idea. So it might get boring if your neighbor starts to sleep, nudge them, or at least don't let them snore, all right? So here's what we're gonna do. In 2015, we had a budget that we had set with the leadership when the year began and that budget for 2015 was a total overall yearly budget of $738,821. That's what we as a board one year ago had said, this is the plan for this year and this is what it would cost us for this plan to advance. I think we have some slides somewhere, right? Do we got that, the little budget? There we go. So what you see right here is a breakdown. Some of you guys, as soon as pie charts and stuff start showing up, you're done, right? I understand, I, trust me, I understand. What you can see right here is the history of our church. The light blue area up at the top, that's our budget. That's what we planned. So if you look through this in 2000, and by the way, everyone who wants this, there's going to be our board of directors, our elders will be at a table outside afterwards. You can get a copy of this and take it home with you. This is total accountability here, amen? So, um, so here's what we got here. In 2008, it was 66,000. That was our budget for an entire year when we first launched. And frankly, that's still pretty big considering it was a startup church. But the Lord blessed us with 160,000 in income that year. And as you look, you can see there has been dramatic and incremental growth every single step of the way. God has really blessed this church. It's good news, Heritage, right? It's really good news. And so this year, I like this. This is pep rally style a little bit, okay? Because listen, this is a celebration. This is not guilt trip. This is, none of this. this is a celebration of what God has done and prayerful consideration of where God's gonna take us, amen? 
So this year, our budget that we had set for 2015 was $738,821. That's what we needed for everything that we had planned to do in 2015. So how much money did God bring in? Well, you can't read it on the projectors. I'll get to that in a minute. The, but the, the Lord brought in this year when we needed 738, $933,950. Praise God. Amen? Praise God. It's great. It's great. That's great stuff. So, you go, that's great, Jeff. What'd you do with the money? Um, I, I got a new car. I got it. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. So what, what do we do with that? Because if you're trying to be transparent, you can't just say what came in. That just makes it look worse, right? So, so we have, a, can you put this pie chart thing up here? Here's, here's a breakdown of how the 2015 budget was sort of broken down over here. And I, I'll kind of read you through it. I know it's hard, hard to see over here. Staffing, which is compensation for all full-time and part-time personnel, was 48% of what the church spent. Now that's a little higher than what it normally is for our church. And it's not because all the staff got glorious raises, I assure you. What we did this year, some of you guys may remember, we talked about this in the fall. We took a little bit of a risk, right? And we, for the first time, actually stepped a little bit out of what we had always done with regards to our income. And we increased our staff by two people this year. One was Mitch Connell, our junior high pastor. And I don't know if any of you guys have junior high kids, but if they were at the events this week, they had a blast because Mitch is a stud. Amen. Mitch is a stud. Um, really is. And I'm sorry that your children have an increased knowledge of guns now, but I swear to you that, <laughs> I swear to you, those were airsoft guns. I'm, I swear. Um, so, so our staffing is at 48%, but what we do believe is that because we invested in particular, not in Mitch, especially, I mean, not, not in, in Mitch specifically, but, but Aaron Beamish. Aaron Beamish is our new executive pastor who came on this year. He used to run Ashland Community Hospital. He was the operations manager there. And we hired him so that we can do stuff like this. Because here's the reality. Remember I talked about like knowing your giftings and living up to them? I'm a relational, happy-go-lucky, we'll figure it out tomorrow. Please don't talk numbers. My eyes will glaze over. Like that's me. And if you're talking about an organization that brought in $933,000 last year and you put me as the head to make sure that $933,000 gets done orderly, and I don't mean sinfully like stealing, I just mean organized so we even know where it is, bad idea. Bad, wife, bad idea? Horrible idea. But Aaron is gifted. And I cannot tell you the differences he has already made since we hired him. If it brings our percentage up for staffing for this year, so be it. It is the best thing we've done in I don't even know how long. Trust me, church, you are safer because we hired Aaron. I assure you. I assure you. And, it, and it's not just that. I mean, we have, we have the most world-class staff ever, ever. I mean, even down our part-time employees, our, our bookkeeper, I've never seen anyone so dedicated to the numbers and want to make sure every penny is accounted for and works tireless hours. Kathy, who's a part-time employee, kind of, though I don't think she puts in part-time hours. I think she's full-time, frankly, leading the women's ministry and working as administrative assistant. She's unbelievable. You've got Jeremy Neff, who is the best biblical counselor I have ever ever met. And I'm talking including the trained ones who that's their business in town. And he's also a pretty darn good youth pastor to our high school kids right now. Amen. Yeah. 
Sam Peck. Man, you guys have seen what Sam's done with worship. You've seen how he's growing as a teacher. He's doing a Wednesday night series right now that's freed me up to be able to work on some of this kind of stuff right now for a short season. And, uh, and, and just Sam is incredibly gifted. And uh, um, Brent, I don't think there's anyone on our staff that we get more compliments on than Brent Sisson, who leads our children and family ministries pastor. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Sam, some of that clapping was for you too in there, I'm sure. Yeah, it was just, it was spread out. But we have the greatest, I'm, I'm not joking when I say this, and this is not some false humility. I guarantee you when it comes to expertise, skill, and abilities, I'm the weak link on this staff. It's unbelievable, and I love them. So, so, but we do still believe that when, by investing ahead and bringing those guys on, we're gonna see that percentage drop as the growth comes with it. But that's, we'll see what the Lord does, right? Um, the next breakdown on that is the benefits with that, which is at 13% insurance and things like that are expensive, unfortunately. Um, and they just went up. I'll talk to you about that in just a second. Then there's, oper- or, well, facility, 8%. We are blessed to be here at Cascade High School. We are so blessed to be here. It, does anyone here work for Cascade? Are you in the administrative staff at Cascade? Okay, good. It's so cheap. Like we, <laughs> we, we have the best deal ever. But shh. <laughs> and actually, this is how good Cascade's been to us. They were restructuring a new leadership board and all this kind of stuff as a school, but wanted to make sure that we were taken care of no matter what that board looked like down the road. So this year they just gave us, just for the heck of it, a brand new 10-year lease with an escape clause that would cost us nothing if God ever blessed us with a building. That's unbelievable, right? So we're so blessed. We're so blessed. So facilities, and then there's these two, which we're going to talk about for a few minutes. Operations and giving. First of all, operations. Operations is your ministry budget. In other words, you're doing stuff. This is what it actually costs to do the hands-on specifics of the ministry here at Heritage Christian Fellowship. Everything from ministry budgets, events, services, and all sorts of other expenses. Um, For example, let's go through some. In other words, what did we accomplish this year? Well, in our kids' ministry, the Heritage Milestones program got unrolled just a few weeks ago. You guys remember that? I think it's amazing, yeah? This is like a State of the Union address now, right? (laughs) Clap, clap, clap. Um, Except I need a story like, well, consider Martha. Martha was a single mom. And show her in the balcony. Anyway, some of you get that. All right, so anyway. Okay, so Heritage Milestones was unleashed. We have on average 150 kids on any given Sunday up through junior high that are out there right now in the Sunday school classes hearing the gospel and learning about Jesus and making new friends. And then there's been tons of new additions just this year alone. A new kids check-in system to streamline and make checking our kids in and out easier. We got new classrooms thanks to Cascade over there, which helped us to divide out some of the kids' rooms and bring the chaos level down in some of those full rooms. We got, yeah, amen to that one, right, Mom? Um, you know that's a mom. Um, then we got, or no, it's probably a children's volunteer worker. That's probably what that is, right? <laughs> we got new classes to better distribute rooms. We got um, a new format. They've got like big group time where they bring some of the small classes together. And it's a big, exciting time to learn the gospel. And then we launched the Awanas program, which was wildly more successful on Wednesday nights than we saw coming. Yeah, about 100 kids per night. Brent had a breakdown on that. They've memorized literally thousands of verses in our Sunday school and Awana's program so far already. It's unbelievable what the Lord's been doing. Um, Unbelievable. 
Um, what about the youth ministry? My note says, see attached sheet, and I think I forgot my attached sheet. No, there it is. Whew. There we go. In the youth ministry, the junior high and high schools cooked and served at the Medford Gospel Mission. They did two cooperative retreats with other local churches. They did uh, spiritual disciplines work. They've worked with CBC, Community Bible Church in Central Point. Great friends. We're going to be doing a marriage thing with Matt Chandler with them here pretty soon. I look forward to that. Um, also, uh, they did a summer camp where they partnered with CBC, Mountain Christian Fellowship, and Westminster Presbyterian. Um, they had uh, one completely unchurched high school student heard the gospel through another student at a youth group event. Like they were at an event and one of the youth group kids taught the gospel to another kid who had never even walked through the doors of a church. Kid accepted Jesus and is part of the youth group right now. So that's, that's amazing right there, right? Um, they've done teaching series in the junior high and high school, everything from gospel project to debating and apologetics. Um, Winter retreat, spring break, three days hiking in Yosemite. I didn't get invited. Bummer. Um, they saw swimming, hiking, rafting, teaching on spiritual warfare, summer camp, Thanksgiving overnighter, winter retreat, and five high school students and three junior high students so far have been baptized into Jesus just in the past calendar year. So that is a fantastic report from our, junior, our high school, right? You guys want to hear some more? Are you totally bored yet? We just got a few more minutes. Women's ministry. A weekly blog for women was started last April. Have you guys been reading this blog? Men, you should snoop it. It's amazing. When, when I read the stuff that the women in this church are writing and putting, I am blown away. It is world class. You will not find better things in Evangel. I assure you of that. It's incredible what's going on right now. Um, Heritage Facebook page was created to encourage women to uh, uh, work with one another, opportunities, connection. They've been working now actively on a, on a Titus II discipleship program between older and younger women. They've studied through Colossians and 1 Peter, and approximately 25 to 30 women have started a Through the Bible yearly plan. Men's ministry. We had our first ever man camp with Acts 29 at Washington Family Ranch last year. We'll be doing that again in April this year. And our church actually is going to be taking quite a lead role in that. Um, Sam and the whole worship band are going to be the worship band for the Acts 29 men's retreat this year. And I'll get to MC sort of the whole thing. And we're bringing in a pastor from uh, an Acts 29, big Acts 29 church down in Reno. is a fantastic teacher. It's going to be a great time. And then um, here, here's some of the, oh, we did our uh, men's retreat on God's design for men in the fall. And then men, uh, keep your ears open if you would, but I'm going to be starting a Thursday morning, uh, just early morning gathering for men over here at the hub. Just, we need, we need more opportunities for men to get together. So, so I'm going to be gathering some guys together on that. So keep, keep your ears open on that. It's coming very soon. Um, how about studying? The scripture should be important in a church probably, right? Just listen to the list of studies and series that different groups from the sanctuary through the kids' wing have gone through at Heritage this year alone. Genesis, Titus, 1 Peter, Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians, Mark, Amos, Worldview Study, The Gospel Project, The Explicit Gospel, A Youthful, oh, uh, excuse me, Overview of the Whole Bible, Logical Fallacies and Apologetics, A Debate Series, Advent Series, Relationships and Dating Series, Spiritual Discipline Series, Tim Keller's A Reason for God Series, and then we had Professor Todd Miles come down and do a workshop on biblical interpretation. Man, the church is hungry for the word here at Heritage, and that's my favorite thing about you guys. Amen? 
hungry for the word here. Other services, we had over 1,200 people at our Easter service. We baptized 20-some people or 20 people into the kingdom, double digits on baptisms again in the fall. We hosted the kingdom-minded roundtable service here. You guys remember that with four other local churches and all the people got together and we talked about engaging the culture with the gospel. Um, we, uh, we launched the flip side of 50 group. Amen to you guys. Yeah, that group took off with some wild success right there. Uh, we had family camp, youth trips, women's retreats, scholarships provided to people at all of those different events and much, much more. Then the church also did this. This has always been something important to us, training and continuing education for pastors and staff. Man, this church, and I'm so thankful for this, this church and the leadership of this church invest in the leaders of this church so that we might grow and be better leaders and better teachers and better understanding of the gospel and other things for you. We invest in our pastors, we invest in our staff so that they might be better invested in you. And that we do that a lot, whether it be me working through Western Seminary, which kicks back up again next week, working on master's degree up there, or whether it work is things like uh, we did a North Coast coaching program. If you know Larry Osborne and Chris Brown down at North Coast Church, man, you want a podcast that's good. North Coast Church, San Diego, trust me, phenomenal. But world-class training in church leadership and organizational training. We're doing coaching through them and have developed just great relationships with them. We did executive assessment and coaching with Chris Speeton. He's an Acts 29 executive pastor who we brought down here to help us analyze systems and procedures and finances and all that kind of stuff and speak some wisdom into our lives there. It's why we have uh, Aaron Beamish now because we saw the need for that here at our church. Um, we've helped put on Acts 29 regionals, one in Salem that trained churches on financial stewardship, one in Spokane that trained churches on raising up godly elders. Now think about that for just a second. So we joined the Acts 29 network of churches. This year, financially, we invested to put two training programs together for churches. The two topics were financial stewardship and raising up godly elders. What are the two things the Lord has clearly been working on and doing in our church over the last year? Financial stewardship, and as you'll see next week, raising up godly elders. It's like he had a plan, right? It's spiritual, it's spiritual. Um, we also continued resources for study and growth for the other pastors. We remodeled the hub this year. Used to be the kids' ministry. Now we have a place for some service. We were able to, to host now two different funerals there. It's just, it, that's been really nice just to have a place. Um, just to have a place that we can do things like that for the church body has been such a blessing. And then there's benevolence. Let's talk about giving. So giving here, as you see, the last category here is 10%, $84,760. Now, first, I'm going to warn you in advance, that number is actually a little bit lower than what we gave away last year. It's because we're becoming stingier. That wasn't funny at all. Don't ever joke about that ever again. Dot, 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 ever, exclamation point, frowny face, emoji. Okay. <clears throat> no, here's what we started noticing was happening. We were looking at some of that, and, and what we've seen is that our huddle groups in a lot of different areas have been taking over benevolence and outreach things that we used to fund corporately, if you will, from the church organizationally as a whole. That's great news. Actually, when you look at the, the churches, how, how churches tend to trend as they grow, Right now, we're in, and by the way, we're in the national averages on all of these things, just so you guys know. We're healthy. 
But one of the things that you see, speaking of staffing percentages, is that the younger a church is, the bigger that percentage is. As the church grows, that percentage actually should start to shrink some because the church should be focused on discipleship and raising up people within the church to take on some of the things that they used to have to rely on paid staff to take care of. And that's actually happening right now. We are in that process, so it's really healthy as a church. Amen? Really healthy. But giving, what did we give to? Oh, it's such a great thing. Benevolence to the body of heritage, for example. There was a funeral for Don Sisson. We've helped a lot take care of his widow, everything from bringing groceries and just really helping and blessing her. Um, We've paid rent for people who are in difficult situations. We've sent flowers to many, many people in the hospital and the sick and brought things to them. Um, Everything from magazines and Gatorade to men who are in the hospital. I mean, you name it. Um, we've delivered groceries to shut-ins. We've brought, bought dinner for couples going through hard times. We've paid for counseling for different people, including a man dealing with deep issues from his past. Uh, we've put fuel, in, put fuel in and major repairs for a mom's car who was going to be crippled for being able to get to her job, a single mother. Um, we've helped several people move. We've helped someone get into a home when they had nowhere to go and they were short on their deposit. We've put air conditioning in an elderly couple's home when the heat of the summer was really cranking and on and on and on. We have been blessed by your generosity to be able to return that same generosity to so many people. There are a ton of people in this very room who have been blessed by the giving of your church this year. And that is good news. Amen. That is good news. So that's first the household of faith. We got to step it up. We're almost done. That's first the household of faith. What about outside the household of faith? We've had outreaches and support for on track access, meals for 75 families on Thanksgiving, meals for 124 families on Christmas. We've given extensively to the pregnancy center, general support of 3000 or something dollars over last year, over $20,000 for the launch of the Save the Storks bus, $2,000 in the ice bucket challenge. You guys remember that thing? Um, 2500 in general annual support. So um, just so you guys know, what we're trying to do is get more towards the principle of concentration in our giving outside the church. What, what we really think would be a better idea is rather than give a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, a little bit there, and then if your giving ever ended, no one would ever really notice. We want to really focus like, God, what have you called us to? And then make a difference there with our giving, if that makes sense. And the one thing we've clearly seen that is a vein that flows through the body of this church, something we care about, has been the issue of mothers and children and uh, abortion and caring for and bringing healing into those situations. So we've been investing heavily in the pregnancy center. We've also done along the same lines with the Magdalene House. There was a huddle group, guys. Let me tell you this real quick. There was a huddle group that this year at Christmas decided to put an outreach together for them that was apart from our normal huddle outreach weekends. And this is what they went and did. They went to a local salon, got the salon to donate the space and a couple of hair people. They got, they got, uh, not hairy people, but hair people. They got, um, masseuses, people that do nails, people that do all this stuff. They brought food in, they decorated it all up for Christmas, and they brought the young gals who are overstaying at the Magdalene house for an evening. And every gal got pedicure, manicure, hair done, massage, food, just totally blessed them with Christmas stuff. Guess how much money they actually came to the church organizationally and asked for to do that? Guess. You're right, zero. How did you know? Zero. Just the generosity of the huddle group serving people in our community. Just an amazing thing. Um, Yeah, please clap for that, right? Um, 
There's outreach to many nursing homes in the valley. We've got a group that goes and does Bible studies and teachings and stuff at nursing homes for people that can't come out and go to the churches. We bought a a portable sound system for them so that they can go do some of that. Um, There's work at the Medford Gospel Mission with Youth for Christ, Cascade Christian High School. And then in the Acts 29 network, one of the things we do is we give towards church planting through the Acts 29 network. And this is something that's going to get more and more on your radar in the time to come. In fact, we've already had one guy visit and there's another one coming in February um, from, up the nor- from up in Washington who's looking to move here. They would actually plant with our church and be an intern potentially if it all comes together here at our church while they are training and learning so that we could put this thing together and actually plant a church in Ashland in the next two to three years. An amazing opportunity for us to be able to do that. And if you know the area, you know it's a big challenge too. So we're really excited that we have an organization like Acts 29 so that it's not just us. We've got a whole network of churches pouring in. And because of that, um, we've started through Acts 29, two regional training programs, the elder and finances thing I talked to you about, started a pastoral school for upcoming pastors and teachers, and the speakers there are no slouches. Larry Osborne, Jeff Vanderstelt, Matt Chandler, and many others, um, currently supporting church planning works in the Northwest to the tune of over $40,000, such as Jared Lida, who is up and running in Post Falls, Idaho now, Rick Reeves, who just got up and running in Eugene, Oregon, and Mike Littleton, who's about to launch in Twin Falls, Idaho. So praise God for that. And we're gonna look to get more of that out there so you can know who these other churches are that we are now a part of and helping get those guys off the ground. Um, In Uganda, we built them a church, the church we've been working with forever. We actually built them a church. So many people came to their church that they didn't have a place for their kids to meet. So we built them a place for their kids to meet at the church place too. It's unbelievable. And we're gonna be going there here in just a couple of months to visit and actually get to see it for the first time. I'm trying to talk really fast right now. I'm sorry about that. Are you guys still with me? Okay. Um, Supported 12 kids in their education. We had our first college graduate who is now in grad school in Uganda. Do you know how rare that is? And she's in there in grad school now. It's just a great, great thing. So there are, and, and and there's so much more. Oh, like at a certain point, you just had to stop. You're going like, yep, 1130. That's when you need to stop, Jeff. <laughs> at a certain point, you just, it, it's, God has been so good and has accomplished so many things through this church body. We would spend hours more talking about the good things God has done. And the big regret that we still have in all this, that we didn't even have time and, and probably foresight too to really think through and plan, we haven't even touched on the changed lives that are in this very room marriages that were healed, depression that is being dealt with, people coming to Jesus. I mean, there are so many success stories. If we had it to do all over, we would have got some little interview videos made so that we can share some of the incredible stories of God's grace here in the church body as well. And we'll, we'll make that a mark for next year for sure, for sure. And so, so this is, we wanted to just start, and this is just where it begins. We hope to get even more and more and more transparency with you guys as we move forward, eventually moving to quarterly reports so you can see how the church is going on a quarterly basis through the year. I think it'd be a really good and healthy thing for the church. My hope is that, that um, you, first of all, appreciate all the, the work that went into it, but appreciate and understand our hearts in doing this. I, for some of you guys have never seen this stuff before in your church before, right? Some of you guys have never seen a church open this up. Some of you have a more denominational background and you're used to some of this stuff. So especially those of you that don't, some of this you might have questions about how some of those things work. Our board of directors guys will be back there with this sheet as you're leaving today and are available for questions. But also we have, I know I'm skipping out of order on the slides here, I'm aware of that, but if you 
have any questions, you can email us at info at heritagefellowship.net. And in the subject line, just put annual report. And we will make sure that we interact with every single person that contacts us with questions about this. Because we want to have healthy feedback loops between the congregation and all this as well. Which is also something that I think some of the leadership stuff we're going to talk about next weekend is going to fix. By the way, next weekend will be nowhere near. It's, it's a little more like in the Bible. A little more. I shouldn't say this because it undoes my earlier comment. A little more spiritual. No, just kidding. But that's what we're going to be doing next week, so please be here. Um, But a healthy family communicates, right? A healthy family talks about the things that are going on. A healthy family is open about all these different things and and can learn from one another and, and shares what's going on with one another. And you know what else a healthy family does? Participates. Oh, here it comes. Here's God's grace in this. This is unbelievable. Do you know that all those things that the Lord's doing and all these people that are in this room right now and the ones who might not be with us this week, out of, out of all of that, it's actually about 30 families consistent giving at the church that is the backbone of everything that gets done at this church. That's unbelievable to think about. And I'm not saying that in such a way to beat down those who aren't, but to encourage and thank and just look at what the Lord's doing and God's grace in our church through this. But at the same time to say, listen, if you're not one of those, please, like, for your own sake, like, get involved. Be part of what God's doing, whether it be through your giving, through your giving of your time, your services. Don't be sitting back and watching the train just zoom by and not get to be part of it when it gets where it's going. Be part of what the Lord's doing. Can you imagine what it felt like for those people in that huddle group serving those young women that day? Imagine what it feels like to to be able to, I mean, remember when we saw the pictures of the church in Uganda and their first services, what it felt like, those of you that paid towards that, like God does bless you with the emotions to look at that and go, man, I'm glad I was a part of that. And so I just want to encourage you, like, we want to do more. We want to increase transparency, increase stewardship, and do more. So if you're not on board, if you're not, so to speak, on the train going with us in this direction, let me encourage you, a healthy family participates, gets involved. And let me tell you really quickly what's already on tap for 2016. These are the things that we want to be able to see. Here's the planned budget for 2016, and we're going to hit this one quick. It's also on the sheet that you're going to see. This year, the planned budget, what we would need to come in for based on what we've planned is 890,259. It's a slight increase from what we did last year, but there's a lot of reasons for that from the staffing increase. Those guys got brought in halfway through last year, so it kind of messes with the numbers. I'm not an accountant. They can explain that stuff. But um, so there's other things, increased outreaches, giving, all of that sort of stuff. So it's a little bit of an increase, but it is a tiny increase compared to what, when you look at the trends of how the church has grown, we were looking at it like, man, we should be able to plan for this. But we really felt that as a church staff and church elders, that, that we need to be really like, this is a good year for us to be increasingly fiscally responsible. So for example, um, every guy who leads a different department in the church. So Jeremy, for example, in the youth ministry or Sam with the worship ministry, when they put together um, their budgets for the year ahead to request, hey guys, this is what I'd like to accomplish in my ministry. Here's what I need to do it. Like they now, thanks to Aaron kind of putting some things together for us, they have an entire yearly plan. Like it breaks down, here are the goals. This, these are the markable things that I want to hit. Here's the strengths of our ministry. Here's the weaknesses of our ministry. Here's what it's gonna cost to get there. Here are the potential problems I see with it. All of this kind of stuff. And everyone brings their budget requests in. 
And so then Aaron and I and the other board members will look at all this kind of stuff and go, okay, here's what everyone's asking for. Add it all up. Equals, look at the total. No, 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 no. We were like, I, I, we, we didn't feel, though, if we gave everyone exactly what they were asking for in each ministry budget, it would fall within the projections of growth that we should expect as a church. But we just didn't feel that it's a responsible thing for us as church leadership to be making expenditure plans based on money we don't have yet, is what we didn't feel like. So for the first time ever as a church, we told the guys in those ministry, no, bring it down. And every single person in their different ministry budgets actually took just a little bit of a cut. And the reason is this, because we want to be able to stop. Now that we have these markers, we want to be able to come in halfway through the year and go, okay, where are we? How are we doing? Kind of even look within the year. Looking at what God has done over the past six months, what should we expect to be able to do in the next six months? And to be able to carefully and with planning and with financial stewardship, be able to say, okay, maybe that thing that got put on the wish list, maybe the Lord is providing opportunity for us to do it after all. But let's just be really good stewards this year of what we had in a way even than we've never even done before. And the staff actually, just so you guys know, their response to that was, and that's a good idea. It's good for us to exercise in this way and to get creative and to remind ourselves that like the church is not some bottomless pit of money that allows us to go do whatever it is we want to do in our different ministry areas, that we are stewards. We are responsible for what God gives us. And so it's been a really good, healthy practice for us as a staff and as a church moving forward. So our budget increase, our budget this year is 890000 Out of that, staffing, because of now it's a half year, we had Aaron before, now it's a full year, and Mitch as well. So staffing's at 48%, but like again, I told you, I think that number drops by the time the growth comes in the year, so we'll see how that plays out. And then benefits are 13000 which is, ins- or excuse me, 13%, which is insane. Insane. The church here provides insurance for all the staff families. Our insurance increase this year, if you're an agent in here, you're going to start drooling and want to call me when I tell you this, but, but our insurance, medical insurance for the staff families this year, with the addition of two families on the plan, but also the increases in the plan, and everybody's plans are increasing anymore, aren't they, right? Went up $34,000 for the year 2016. We were just like, that's insane. That's just insane. Can we go to like the faith healing movement instead? Because it seems like that would be a whole lot cheaper than spending this kind of money. Um, what, what happened to Obamacare or whatever? Isn't it free anymore? Like how is that 34,000? Um, but the Lord seems, that the Lord may already be doing something because our connection with Acts 29 actually brings us, uh, we qualify for affiliation for a program called Guidestone that's really a network that's connected to the Southern Baptist Convention. And it brings you into a healthcare plan that is shared by churches all over the world and premiums then just drop. And so everything from retirement plans and everything, they really serve church as well. So we've already applied into that. We're working hard to figure out ways around some of this stuff. It's insane the way some of those increases were. So pray that we're able to get that changed. Operations, 22% ministry budget, services, and all other things not listed. Then facility is still 8%. That doesn't change. Giving is at 10% minimum. And our goal in this too, just for transparencies and accountability's sake is this. When we budget X amount of money to be given away, let's say at the end of the year, I told you benevolence giving, for example, dropped a little bit this year. Let's say that next year it dropped again. 
and December comes along and we have this money that we had tagged to give away, but we haven't given it away yet because the needs just haven't come our way. First of all, it rarely ever happens, but if it did, we want you to understand that at that time, the board would then stop and look and say, okay, we still have a surplus in money that we had tagged to tithe as a church and give away. So let's go talk to the people at the resource center, the pregnancy resource center, or whatever the certain need may be, but we believe it is really important that we as a church give and tithe as an organization just as much as the scriptures would say that we are to do so as individuals. Does that make sense? You guys are on board with that, right? So this is the plan for this year. Now, because of that, there are things that we really wanted to be able to, oh, wait, I'm sorry, there's, there's, there's more stuff. Um, programs in the works, Uganda mission trip, marriage conference in March, baby dedication service in March, Easter service and baptisms in March, high school junior high trips during spring break, man camp in April, tw- Acts 29 regional gathering in May, women's retreat in May, men's retreat in October, family camp in June, high school missions trip in July, Acts 29 lead pastors conference in July, women's retreat in September, heritage milestone training programs throughout the year for families, monthly women's gatherings and women's Bible studies, a new men's morning Bible study, begin planning the footsteps of Paul pilgrimage over to Ephesus and Turkey, you know, all all those areas up through there, completely new leadership structure, you'll learn about that next week, and another huge development for heritage that'll get out unrolled later on in the month. That's just scratch, it's just January. And that's already what the Lord is already doing in addition to looking actively for opportunities to give and serve and spread the gospel and see lives transformed within the church. And so I'm I'm begging you, church body, if you're not, be involved, participate, come with us. And, And I don't mean that. Again, look, we've seen from the numbers, God clearly provides but, but what I'm saying is, even from the scriptures, like, look, give, be generous, be a part of what the Lord's doing. It is for your own soul's sake. It is for your own good that we be a part and participating in the kingdom of God. And should the Lord continue to grace us with that kind of growth, man, we want to do so much more for the kingdom of God moving forward. We want to I mean, change the valley, right? So join us. Partner with us in this. Help us learn from you, learn from us. Let's grow together in this stuff. And, and should the Lord bless us? Man, there's, there's all sorts of other things too that we wanna see accomplished. Even just simple, simple little things. Like for example, how many of you, though I keep pointing to slides on the projectors, you have yet to be able to read anything that's shown up on there today. Anything yet with these projectors? They're terrible, right? They're terrible, they're terrible. It's gonna cost 20 grand to fix that. So that was in one of the budget proposals that came in. Hey, we really need to make these things actually usable for someone. But then we looked at it and we're like, is that really the best use of our resources when we see these other needs going on here? And so that got shelved. But should the Lord provide? Who knows what the Lord would do? Another thing we would love to see happen is we would love to have a place for our youth. To just have a room somewhere that's theirs, that they can set up that's theirs, they can have activities, they can have hangouts, they can fellowship. Um, right now they use the hub, and you guys on the Wednesday nights that, that we've met over there a few times, we've already been getting the feedback from some of you. Hey, why are we meeting in that little music room over there? Why don't we do midweeks over there in that really nice remodeled thing over there? We would love to. We would love to. But 
we gave that room initially before even the remodel happened to our youth because they just needed a place. And we have watched that youth group grow. There was something like, I want to say like 36 kids or something like that in there this week. And I, as much as I would love to teach in there and as much as the setup would be so much easier, I don't have the heart to come into our high school kids and say, this is nicer, you're booted, get out of here. So we're not going in there yet till we can figure something out. But we would love to get a place for our kids, should the Lord provide that. Um, added lighting in the back. We understand it's dark when you come in, and we're trying to figure out something on that. Um, or how about this one? I mean, one day, if this is great. We love Cascade. It's great. Amen? But one day, wouldn't it be nice to have a place? I mean, just one day. It would be great. And, and so this is what we've actually already done, just to give you guys a little bit, of, you know, without vision, the people perish. We created just in the last week, a brand new account for the church that is a building and futures fund so that we can just start planning towards them, have a plan. And it's already been seeded with right at half a million dollars to be able to plan towards a building for ourselves in the future. Amen? And, and, that, and, and the beauty of that is that still leaves us with three months full operating expenses on standby in our general savings account. We're healthy the church is healthy. Church, you should hear these things and celebrate God's grace in our lives. And we, we're still, remember, we're still coming out of, Jeff, what are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> That's what we're coming out of. I am so excited to see what the Lord's going to be doing moving forward. And I'm begging you, come with us. Communicate with us. You can again email us at info at heritagefellowship.net if you have questions about some of this kind of stuff. Um, but be involved. Give. Give generously support, get involved, serve, pray for us. There's probably nothing you could do better than pray for us as we're figuring things out, as we're organizing, as we're changing. Pray for me. This stuff's not even easy for me sometimes. These are difficult things when you've been doing something for a long time and it feels like it's always been working and now you're shifting. There's all sorts of things in that, but it is so good for our church. Church, we are healthy. Amen? We are healthy. So what I'd like to do now, remember, those guys will be available in the back. You can send your questions, but, but would you guys just take a moment with me, and can we just pray for our church? Because we want to be able to submit our plans to the Lord, and then see what the Lord wants to do with those. He could change all of these things, and maybe he should in some of those areas. And so we want to pray not just for the plans that our plans get accomplished. We want God's will at Heritage as it is in heaven. And we want leadership and the body of the church to be open to the voice of God and not so stubborn in our own plans and ideas that we can discern when God might be changing things and when God might be moving us. And then here's the other thing, guys. Everything we're talking about here, all of that filters down to you. All of it does. Because shouldn't you be doing the same thing in your family? Shouldn't we lead our families in the same way? Shouldn't we plan? Shouldn't we not want our children to be in financially difficult positions? Shouldn't we want to be able to minister to our neighbors through the resources that God's given us? Every single one of these things then filter back down to the individual, just like those Proverbs filter up to the church as a whole. Amen? So do me a favor. Will you guys stand with me, Heritage family, and let's pray for our church.